Welcome to the NCEA podcast. I'm your host today, Colleen McCoy-Sika, Director of Professional Learning for NCEA. And my guest today is Dr. Thomas Gasper. He's the Regional Superintendent for the San Pedro region for the Archdiocese of Los Angeles. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. So, Tom, can you share with the listeners a little bit about yourself and your background before we get started? Happy to do so. I've... uh... Almost three decades of working in Catholic education. I, like many uh, probably listening today, I started off teaching in the classroom and moved into some administrative duties in campus ministry and assistant principal and vice principal. And then I was principal of a Catholic high school in Santa Monica for uh, about five years. And then I became the president of both an elementary and a high school there at the same site governed by a parish. So I uh, started getting more involved in developing boards and fundraising and capital campaigns and things like that. So. Uh, did that, worked there for a long time, and then the last four years I've been working for the Archdiocese of Los Angeles, and as you just mentioned, I'm currently serving as regional superintendent. We recently went through a redesign, so I now have 60 uh, Catholic elementary and high schools in the southernmost parts of Los Angeles County, working with those principals, trying to support them and their pastors in uh, ensuring that we have great Catholic schools to serve our community. Tom, that's a lot of responsibility. Congratulations on on your, um, you know, being the regional superintendent. I know that's exciting, but um, wow, what a lot of responsibility. Uh, your, Thank you. Your background, yeah, your background for, um, you know, being the traditional educator, though, you know, being a classroom teacher and then a principal and then going into the president role. I think that's really a great set up for being in the position that you're in though, so that you can see all of the different roles and the needs for all of the people that you're serving as a leader. So yeah, it's that's, been a that's lot fantastic. of fun. It's been a lot of fun because I think often, at least in the Los Angeles area, our schools are somewhat siloed. We, we really, elementary schools are depending upon a staff that understands them and, and are talking to their own colleagues. High schools are talking to a lot of high school uh, people. And so um, I really have the benefit of working in both and kind of seeing the needs to support, mutually support each side of it. And so that's kind of a, a, a challenge for many, but exciting for me in this new role. Yeah, for sure. And so the um, the study that you did, and I just want to tell the listeners, I learned about your research study back in October uh, when I was actually looking at the videos that were part of the Catholic Leadership Summit platform. You had um, participated as a contributor for the CLS, and I was really intrigued by your study. And so, you know, having that um, that operational vitality um, spin to this, that's really what we're going to talk about today is operational vitality in schools. And, and you're, specifically, you're going to be talking today about attrition from Catholic elementary schools to the high schools and the reasons why families stay in Catholic edu- education or choose other options, right? Exactly, yeah. I mean, I think a lot of times we're worried, we're all concerned about our enrollments dropping nationwide, our schools mm-hmm. closing. And so we often look at it just from a marketing point of view of how do we attract families in the secular world or given what the issues are. So I really wanted to look at it differently because I became aware once I got to the diocesan level that we were losing, this is not a big published thing that you've seen a lot of places, NCA yeah. runs a lot of data, but they don't tell you how many are leaving the system. It's not something schools necessarily want to say or are tracking well, but I learned that we were losing, you know, maybe we thought 
about a third of our families between eighth and ninth grade. Uh, now we are picking up numbers in high school because we're getting students from the charter system and other other uh, places. So our enrollment in ninth grade goes up. So it's kind of a false positive. But when I started looking at it, I went, wait a second, but of our own that we already have, there's almost kind of this um, walking with their feet of, of about a third. So I really wanted to kind of understand that better and understand this group that's already part of our system, why, why are they leaving? That's awesome. So I, yeah, I, I was definitely very intrigued by your study. And I know that you did this study specifically, you know, there in Los Angeles. And so maybe, you know, as we go through and talk about some of these specific areas of study, we can speculate a little bit on, you know, are these issues specific to your archdiocese? And, you know, in what ways can they really apply to all of our Catholic colleagues uh, throughout the country? So let's think about that as, as we go through. Sure. The okay, sample so was really large. So um, for those mm -hmm. that are working with urban, uh, it was all Los Angeles County and a really big geographic uh, distribution. So we had about 600 eighth grade students in Catholic schools and their parents responding. So it was a really big data set. So if you're from one of those larger um, areas uh, that's like a Los Angeles County, uh, then per perhaps some of it is pretty generalizable. Yeah, for sure. Excellent. So uh, why don't you kind of start at the top? Let's let's start very broad. And why don't you talk about what the purpose of the study was? And you talked a little bit about why it was important to you from a diocesan level, but you really poured your heart and soul into this study. So why was it so important to you? I did. I mean, you know, I really care about, you know, why we're losing people and poor, poor and vulnerable populations. So I really wanted to see, you know, our, who are we losing in the system? Who are, who are those people and, and why are they doing that? Um, are there certain attributes that correspond to somebody um, that is going to make them more vulnerable to be gone from our system than others? Um, also, then looking at, you know, what are the what are the reasons and decision making factors that are going into choosing a school? So that kind of helps all of us understand from a market point of view, um, why are they choosing our school and why are they choosing our competitors? Um, and then another thing that a purpose behind it was also because of my love for elementary schools and wanting them to have some information, too. I really want to look at does elementary school satisfaction have something to do with, uh, you know, they're choosing a high Catholic high school or not? Are they staying in the system? What are some things that are they're particularly happy about in our system? What are some things that are maybe dissatisfaction levels that we can get at, at, at in our elementary and high schools? Those are great questions to consider. So what what did you what did you discover? What were some of the key findings of your study? Um, well, first of all, there are a lot of things that go into people's uh, decision to choose a high school. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not just, you know, one thing I found is previous research showed that uh, the parent often made the decision. And I think mm -hmm. we've known as practitioners for a while, we felt that uh, students are making that decision. And, and sure enough, uh, the majority of families were kind of describing that as a, you know, shared 50-50 kind of decision in that. Um, the number of families that were saying it was the parent primarily making the decision um, was was significantly less. It was a little bit higher on those leaving the system, by the way. So mm -hmm. if parents, in the, in the situation where parent is making the primary decision, uh, sometimes uh, they are more likely to be choosing a non-Catholic school. If the kid is really heavy in the decision, we've got a better chance of retaining that kid in our Catholic school. So that's kind of an interesting thing. But, but regardless whether it was a parent or a student, um, they weighed a lot of issues. Um, I asked, I, I chose from research 10 uh, things that are typically... Um, most uh, widely mentioned in research as, as reasons for choosing a high school and, and ask them, Likert scale, how important that was a factor in the decision. And, you know, what I found is that, you know, nine out of ten of those 
were very important for just about every population. You know, some you know, maybe didn't care about arts as much or athletics as much or things like that. So there's certain populations I can share some differentiated marketing uh, approaches to some populations. But overall, nine out of the 10 resonated as pretty important in the decision to the general population, both continuing in Catholic education and those leaving Catholic education. That's interesting. So as, I, as I'm listening to you talk, my brain's going in a couple of different directions here. But one thing then, and you know, we can, <laughs> we can talk about this again, this is a marketing perspective, is the messaging to students rather than parents. And we really do have to do double marketing because we do want to market to our parents, but we also need to market to the students. But you said that if they're having a good experience in their elementary school, that's something that's having an impact on their decision. And I, I, I'm not sure that I had thought that deeply about that before. So that's an interesting finding to me. Yeah, most people don't. Um, and I wasn't even sure, to be honest with you, if I could find correlation. What I, what I did is I also calibrated, if you feel a certain way about your, and we used different from the Nesbex. We looked at how do you feel about the sense of community? How do you feel about the academics? How do you feel about the leadership? And uh, they'd rate that on a, a Likert scale about their elementary school early on. At the end of the survey, they look at those same areas and project what they think about the quality of the available Catholic high schools are to them. And there was this direct linear correlation. So if, if a parent or student thinks well of their elementary school in this area, it doesn't matter that the sports programs are blowing up at high school or that they have facilities or that they're different. They tend to perceive it similarly positive or negative. So we have a real direct correlation of thought there, even from our families that are already in the system, that it's going to be similar. So we have in our best interest to make sure their experience is really good at the elementary school level. Okay. So the other thing that um, that stood out to me um, in listening to some of your key findings was, I remember thinking about single gender education as something that you had focused in on. And you also talked a little bit about specialized academic programs. Can you talk about those two different areas and the, and the findings um, around those two issues? Sure. Both of those were a little bit of a surprise to me, especially the single gender education piece. Yeah. Um, I mentioned to you already that nine of the 10 things we put out had extremely, were very important in the decision. The only piece that, that was out there at all that had really no, re very little um, reaction in terms of the general population was the fact of single gender education. And the interesting thing about this is I, in, in the dissertation that I wrote, uh, it was focused maybe on, um, you know, the, the general population. But since then, I've done a lot of um, disaggregation of that data, especially for some single gender schools that asked me to do some work for them. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I've really found that even in the population that's choosing to stay in, a, in an all-girls school, to go to an all-boys school, even within that population, it is the least most important factor of the hmm. 10 that were offered there. So you might be choosing an all-girls school or the parent might be choosing an all-girls school, but when I put in front of you uh, safety, academic program, sports, faith and values, um, safety, uh, location, all these other uh, you know, factors, they consistently rated all those much higher, even, at, even okay. if they were choosing an all, all single gender education. Interesting, that's really interesting to me. And then the, speci the specialized academic programs, what about that? Well, you know, first academic, as you can imagine, the academic program was the most important factor for when okay. we look at all 10 of them. It had the highest mean for sure among the whole population, students and parents. Um, however, 
when we looked at the population that was leading, they had some follow-up questions. So if they were choosing a charter school, a public school, an independent non-Catholic school, they had some follow-up questions. And, and one of them was to choose from among these 12 popular options, what of, of them, are there one, two, or three of those that um, are most important as to why you're leading the Catholic school, why you're choosing that other school. And what I found, aside from money, we would predict that money was probably the, the number one financial consideration. Right. But the number two was the specialized academic programs, which many then chose to write in. And, you know, they got, had a chance to, it was a quantitative study, so there wasn't a lot of um, narrative, although I did do follow-up interviews, and so this came out loud and clear in the interviews. But many of them uh, went in to describe in their options that they could uh, these these higher, more highly developed STEM programs at the public school sometimes. Um, you know, the Catholic school had a, a theater program, but the, the Southern school had a, an improvisational theater program. Uh, you know, the, <laughs> the Catholic school had STEM, but this one had this really strong engineering uh, partnership, mm. mentorship with the local jet propulsion laboratory. So I think what we found sometimes is that um, our Catholic schools uh, have worked really hard at kind of building this college prep this rigor, you know, AP classes or maybe IB or something like that. But in many cases, families are looking for a specialized academic program of, of particular interest to that student. So I think that, you know, most people listening and, you know, we're, we're thinking about, well, you know, why do families choose or not choose Catholic high schools? We haven't even talked, we're halfway through our podcast. We haven't even talked about finances yet. And I, like you just said, I think most people assume that finances are the most important reason. They're not always the most important reason. And I just want to frame this by saying, you know, throughout the country, when you look at the really strong uh, school choice programs that have developed around the country, and I happen to be in one of those states, I know California, you know, it's different. So this conversation around finances is going to be different from state to state because of school choice programming. However, when it comes to the mind of a family, just, you know, talk about the findings around finances. And was there anything about that that surprised you? So many things. Um, remember, these are mm. families who are already making a commitment to our schools. They're paying some tuition to be in a Catholic elementary school. There's a big jump right. in, in, in our high schools, right? So that we know that that's, that's part of the reason. What I found is that 80% of the families leaving said finances had to do with it, but only 15% of the population said it was just finances. So think about that for a moment. When we do our exit interviews, when we're doing things as administrators of a school, a lot of times we have one reason they didn't come or one reason they, they left our school. Um, and yet what I found is it was a combination of, 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 of uh, factors and finances was yeah. usually just one of those reasons. So there's something else going on in it. I also found that the, the population that I thought was going to be most vulnerable, right? Those that are making the least amount of money under $30,000. And I, I calibrated, I had enough parent data that they could self-report being in one of these buckets and they were in $30,000 increments. And what I found is those making under $60,000 didn't have the highest attrition. Those that had the mm. highest attrition in our system in Los Angeles, where cost of living is a little higher, was sixty to ninety thousand dollars. They were the most vulnerable, and then the next most vulnerable was ninety to one hundred twenty thousand dollars. And then we had the lowest income families coming in after that. So our lower middle class, uh, as we would describe it in in Los Angeles County, uh, ended up becoming the most vulnerable. And we saw it in a couple of levels. I saw it both on their attrition rates, but I also saw it in uh, their financial aid award rates, right? So 
I asked families um, that, that were not continuing in particular, were you offered financial aid? Was it need-based, merit-based? And then I kind of disaggregated the data and found that, you know, as we would hope, the families that are the poorest reported the highest amount of, of you know, receiving financial aid. We want that. That's good. Mission-driven decisions. Good job. But what I found, there was a huge drop after $60,000 where it just jumped too high where our families really weren't getting financial assistance anymore. And their perception right. was they would not qualify. And most of the families I interviewed that weren't going to a Catholic school said, oh, we won't qualify. So we didn't even finish the application. Mm -hmm. So we're losing families already in our system because they think they're not going to be able to get assistance. And in some cases, they were right. And Tom, uh, even in states like mine, where there are strong school choice programs, that is a mindset of many families. We don't think we're going to qualify, so we're not even going to try. So that's really interesting that that is something that would probably translate uh, to many states, to many people. So, um, all right. So let's let's talk a little bit more um, about the study. So a few years ago, I don't know if you remember this study, but Fatica presented at Catholic uh, at the Catholic Leadership Summit. I think it was actually here in Phoenix the year we hosted, but their findings on why families were choosing Catholic schools or not choosing Catholic schools. It was a great study. And it talked a little bit about marketing efforts that focused on different demographics. And they talked about Hispanic families and what is important to that demographic. Was there anything in your study that pointed to differences in decisions by different demographic groups? What did you find there? Sure. And I'm glad you brought that up because that's a great study. And for those that are listening and want to know how to attract the general population, that's what you want to go after because they were mm -hmm. looking at a lot of Catholic families that weren't in Catholic schools. So right. that is a really great body of research. This is a different kind of research because I'm only looking at people that are already in our system, right? So some of them, if they had a language barrier, maybe they never got into our, our Catholic elementary school in the first place. Although I did offer the survey in Spanish and all the materials. So to be honest mm -hmm. with you, I didn't find a difference in those choosing to take the, the uh, materials in Spanish versus English. I did not find a statistically Good. significant difference because they are already feeling comfortable and are welcome in our communities. Whereas the Fatica research, you know, showed a, a lot of need to have the Madrinas get out there and uh, welcome them in a different way. So, right. but, but back to your original question, in my uh, study, I did find some demographic um, uh, differences among groups that were, and again, I was only focusing on ones that were statistically significant because it was a quantitative research. So okay. I, I will share with you, for example, Hispanic parents. Um, safety was very, very important to them. Um, overall, it was to a lot of our population, it actually ended up being the third most important factor in the decision. But for Hispanic families, it was significantly higher um, than for white, white participants or, or other participants. Um, you know, while I'm at it, since you mentioned Catholic schools, uh, girls, all girls schools earlier, um, mm -hmm. That was for that population as well. For parents in all girls schools, uh, not boys, but all girls schools, safety was number one for them as well. So hmm. again, part of that safety might come from being an all girls school, right? So they might be choosing the all girls school because of safety, but when they look at that factor, it's super high versus the fact that it's all girls was not high. So safety really important. Um, academic re reputation was important to many families. It was about fourth or fifth in most demographics, but very high, again, statistically significant for Filipino families. So if you're in an area that mm. services a lot of uh, Filipino Catholic participants, um, you really want to market that piece, uh, or make sure you have that piece, but work at having that piece and then market it accordingly. Um, you know, financial considerations, as we just talked about, is important to everyone. 
but again, statistically more important to Hispanic and Filipino participants than white participants, than multiracial participants. Those two um, groups, uh, it was very important. Um, speaking of multiracial um, participants, um, the students and parents that identify as being of uh, more than one race, um, they rated athletics much higher uh, of importance in the, in the decision than the other uh, ethnic groups. So um, really there's, depending upon what, you know, who you're servicing and what, what your community um, you're trying to attract, you may want to think about differentiating your marketing to uh, emphasize those points that resonate with them. And I guess the other thing I would just say is that student versus parent, I looked at the results on everything. And in, in almost all cases, um, there the students um, maybe didn't rate most things as, as important as the parents. The parents care about more things. But some of the ones sure. that we would we might guess were, were um, proven in it. So they, they do care a little bit more about athletics, but much more on the boys' side than the girls. So if I'm an all-girls school, I'm probably going to think twice about pushing athletics as much as I do, as much as some of my competitors. Because to be honest with you, um, arts, which wasn't really, didn't resonate very high, was ninth overall. Um, but that resonated very high with girls, and particularly with girls that ended up in all-girls Catholic schools. So um, I do think sometimes you have to look at the student response versus the parents. Um, obviously, faith formation, I was happy to see it be highly considered in all. So even, even from some families that are leaving our system, it was not an indictment of the faith. I mean, sometimes you get okay. some market that wants to say, oh, well, they're fed up with the church because it's not going enough this way or that way. I didn't right. find that at all. And even the ones I interviewed, um, it was not a rejection. There was only one parent that really had some strong issues, and it still wasn't the primary issue. It was still finances. But um, most of them really felt that um, they'd love to keep their kid in there if the, if the finances were different or if their kid were a little bit happier or if they had this program. Um, you know, in some cases, they might wish that um, maybe the program were developing. I think there is a perception, and this is something I found in satisfaction. It's a little bit of a tangent. But in our elementary schools, for those of you who are listening, in the middle school time, uh, I found in many, many schools, that they were perceiving the quality of religious education to maybe not be as strong in those middle school years. Um, very happy with it in the lower levels. Very happy. Also, same thing for sense of community. It was the thing that brought them there. They loved it. But when they get into that middle school time, one, it's a little more challenging. We're dealing with adolescence, so there's a little bit of, of drama, and so that, that creates a little tension in the student community sometimes. But also, I think they, they felt, many of them felt, that we weren't really kind of taking they were kind of done. We weren't taking, we were still doing saint reports. We were still doing a lot of the same, mm. revisiting some of the same topics we've done as opposed to really getting out and doing something uh, bolder, experiential learning or service learning and, and some of the things that maybe take it to another level. So there was a perception from some leaving like, well, is high school going to really take it to a, a, another level? Because it seems like we've been coasting the last couple of years. So something to think about. That is something to think about. So this, what I... I got to say, what I really enjoy about your research is the practicality that can come out of the study that you did. So um, I think that the significance of it is that you can really give some um, practical advice to schools for how to move forward and improve their operational vitality and their marketing, to be honest with you. So how did you communicate your study with the people that you lead in Los Angeles? And are there schools that have used this information, um, you know, to help them with their marketing plans and their strategies moving forward? I sure hope so. Um, you know, this, <laughs> this, as I mentioned, we redesigned. And so recently um, we are now organized uh, by region. And so in September, 
I spent the better part of a day with elementary and high school principals together. They, they hadn't been in an in-service together, I think, maybe ever. Um, oh my and gosh. so, so they, <laughs> they were all seated together after being away from COVID and, you know, being away from each other. Um, and so a high school principal was sitting at a table with five or six, uh, elementary school principals in their geographic area. So, um, we spent a day kind of going through this data in different parts and trying to look at what are the pieces that maybe resonate in our own communities. How do we look at retention issues in our own community? How do, what do we look at our, our marketing? How do we do better collaboration? So um, that set in motion, I think, a lot of great new relationships that didn't maybe, maybe even if they existed, that it strengthened them. And we had a lot of new leaders that really, I think, appreciated looking at it K-12. So certainly in my region, they know the data pretty well. They're, they're, de they're dealing with it. Um, but it's interesting because as I've done this podcast or other things, people inquire. And so um, just before mm -hmm. the break, I, uh, some all-girls schools were really interested in kind of uh, something they'd heard. And so they all came together. Uh, many of them private, independent, all-girls schools traveling quite a bit of ways. And, and they looked at that together because they really felt that um, in Los Angeles, our all-girls schools population has been going down at a little bit higher rate than others. Not, you know, not drastically, but, you know, if they were yeah. 20, if they were 23 percent of our population uh, five years ago, they're 21.5 percent of our market now. So they're a little more vulnerable than, than maybe some others. And so they came together, even though they usually compete. And they wanted to chew on it together. And so I thought that was really admirable on their part. Um, one of those schools is having me come speak to their board now because they want to disaggregate it as a community and have key administrators and board members all looking at that kind of honestly as opposed to, hey, this is the way we've always done it. And, you know, it's it, it's not to me. None of the data points tell us that you need to stop being who you are. You, you need to be Catholic. Right. You need to be an all-girls school. You need to celebrate that. But mm -hmm. the sisterhood that they appreciate graduating is not something that at eighth grade they're identifying as a main thing, right? So you can still market all girls, but you need to think about from an eighth grader's point of view and even from their parents increasingly, um, that in itself is not resonating as strong. So talk about the things that they're going to do. Talk about your community and how working with just girls empowers their leadership more or it does some of these other things that you're doing um, rather than just kind of broadcasting all girls, if you know what I mean. I do. And, you know, I, I love listening to this and I, I'm so glad to hear that you're making an impact in an area that that is really important. It's really important to me. I graduated from an all girls Catholic high school on the south side of Chicago in Burbank, Illinois, Queen of Peace High School. It closed a couple of years ago. And so it really I know it, it breaks my heart. So to hear that schools are coming together and, you know, taking that sisterhood seriously and trying to strengthen those schools, that makes me very happy. So, um, again, you know, thanks for the work that you're doing. So, but yeah, before we wrap up, Tom, uh, what kind of advice um, would you give to school leaders based on your findings? Can you come up with like maybe one or two key pieces of advice that you would give? So I would say, um, you know, I, I hope you can appreciate this data. If you want to see more, you can put my name, Gasper and Catholic School Attrition, and you'll see more data that, that you can look and see what resonates with you. But I would encourage you to get your own data. You know, we, I looked at attrition uh, at one given point in Los Angeles County, um, and you have data every day that you could get from your parents, from your prospective parents, from those that have left. Um, and I think a lot of times as Catholic school leaders, we're kind of almost afraid to survey some of these things. We're afraid to get that feedback. And yet it's one of the key most ingredients to healthy retention, right? And, and we know from marketing, the number one you know piece is word of mouth. And so I would encourage you to get your own data 
and to utilize that data. Um, so you're not just looking at my, you know, timestamp data. Um, on, but then with my, my data, with Fatica data, with your own data, I, I would then make sure you are looking at marketing uh, to differentiate the audiences. You know, the students, um, what you're posting on Instagram for students, you know, should be different than what you're posting on Facebook for their parents. Um, I think a lot of times we get used to, oh, well, we've got this one message, or we're doing this one thing. Um, you know, high schools are notorious for over-marketing their sports. And, you know, yes, they're important, but I was surprised to our parents it wasn't as important as I thought it was. And I, I'm thinking I've had all these, you know, um, you know, parents that have been obsessed with their playing time and things like that as a high school administrator. I thought sports was really a highly, highly important factor. Um, and maybe it still is for certain populations. Maybe for those coming into Catholic high schools from the public you know, sphere, maybe it's even more important. And there are some of the loud ones. But those in our Catholic uh, elementary schools, it wasn't as important to them. So now I look back and I went, well, I really over-marketed that. So I would say really try to look at whatever data you have available and, and have some strategic marketing conversations with people in your community and how do we differentiate that message so that we're hitting uh, those different populations, especially some of those are, are more vulnerable. So for example, I was really sad at the end of this to see that girls are much more vulnerable to be lost in our, in our uh, system than, than boys. So yeah. we all need to kind of, that's not just on the all-girls schools, that's on our co-ed schools, that's on all of us to really go after and see what can we do to better, you know, keep and, and serve those, those young women that, that will benefit from the Catholic education. Well, I have tremendously enjoyed this conversation. And, you know, as I said, I mean, your, your study just jumped out to me anyway. So I'm so glad that you took the time to sit down with me today and, and talk and be my guest. And, you know, I'm so appreciative of the work that you're doing. So thanks so much for being with me today. Thank you for asking. It's been a pleasure. All right. Well, and I also want to thank our, uh, our listeners for joining us for another NCEA podcast. And I hope you tune in again next time. Thanks so much. Thank you.